Welcome to the Simplify Finance Podcast, powered by Palma Bella Consulting. No gimmicks, no schemes, just solid, simple ways to recapture control over your finances. And now, broadcasting from Palma Bella Studios in sunny Orlando, Florida, here is your host, Troy Peterson. Hi, and welcome back. It's Troy, and I am so glad you could join me today as I've dug up some more information that I just want to share with you to help you to be able to overcome your financial struggles, increase your income, eliminate your debt, and build wealth. That is the goal. I know everybody I talk to always wants more money. But if you notice that money's just getting harder and harder to come by, at least so it seems, uh, we're watching a, a, a unique phenomenon going on out there in the marketplace right now. We're seeing the rich keep getting richer and the poor getting poorer. Here we see fund managers raking in billion dollars in income across the year. We see these huge corporations with multi-million dollar incomes at the top level, and yet they squeeze the jobs at the bottom level, and they squeeze pay for those people at the bottom level. There's been a tremendous decrease in salaries over the last several years. In fact, since 1978, wages in the U.S. have pretty much flattened. They've stagnated. They have not gone up. In fact, when you adjust for inflation, cost of living index, uh, you know, cost of housing, all of that, you find that today's wages are actually less. Now, we've done several things to adjust for this and to compensate because, hey, let's give us some credit. We're survivors. If you're listening to this and you've been struggling with your finances, kudos to you because you're a survivor. You're still here. I know what it's like to struggle with finances, and it's just no fun. Today, the middle class struggles. We watch more and more people slip into that category of just living paycheck to paycheck, just trying to get by. You know, we've got a car that uh, is probably financed because there's just no way we've got enough cash to be able to buy the car, so we make payments. Uh, We drive along with $20 or $30 in our checking account and are a week to a week and a half away from payday. But our car has a full tank of gas in it, and we've got a little bit of food in the cupboard, so we're hoping we can just get by. Those who might have a little bit more still struggle to have enough money and savings to cover an emergency. I know I'm not sharing any problems with you that you might not have felt or might not have been aware of, but the sad truth is there just isn't enough money to go around. But that's our perception. You see, there are things we can do about it. Because we've been survivors, we've constantly adjusted. As I started to say a minute ago, we started to see a lot of changes in our economy, and it all began around 1978. Now, what really happened then? Well, globalization is one thing that started taking jobs outside of America. And look, let's not blame the companies. Let's not blame the politicians. That's a natural trend that's happened in our economy. Technology has come onto the scene, and it's allowed us to be able to outsource jobs and do things in different parts of the world. Those jobs still need to be done. But here's the interesting balance that a lot of those businesses face that have started outsourcing, and they've all started this since the late 70s. It really comes down to something this simple. We as Americans want to buy a quality product at the cheapest price possible. But we as Americans are not willing to work for the same wages as the people in China or Russia or name a dozen other countries. So it forces the American manufacturer to outsource their labor to countries where they can get the job done cheaper. 
so that they can still sell that product at a price that we Americans are willing to pay. So it creates this wonderful catch-22 situation. We demand high wages and we demand low-priced products, and the two just don't go together. Now, if the right tax programs and the right tax reforms and tariffs and imports and exports and all that comes in, that could make a difference. But let's really focus on what you and I can do about this. Let's focus on some solutions that we can do. We are survivors. I've already said that. You can see how we as a nation, as a middle class people in this nation, have responded to this crisis that began, as I said, right about 1978. You see, one of the first things we did was we realized that we needed more money. If our wages weren't going to continue to climb because technology was taking our jobs away and that made skilled labor worth less, so the companies started paying less, but we still had bills to pay. We still needed income. So the first thing we did was we went from a, just a, a pretty much a male-dominated workforce and women started entering the workforce. Now, that's not to say women weren't in the workforce before, but up until about the mid-1970s, it was very common to have dad go to work, mom stayed home and took care of the house. You just don't see a lot of that anymore. Since then, the two-parent working family bringing in two incomes has become standard. Now, what's sad is that equalities continue to shrink the income. So where one person could go out and earn in the mid-40s, you know, $43,000, $44,000 a year back in the 70s, now it takes two people in many places to go back out and earn that same amount of money, struggling to get by, making sacrifices at home because we're leaving our kids, we're having to pay for daycare. Listen, I know it's costly, I know it's expensive, but we're still backed into that corner. We've got to go back out and work. And so that was the first reaction we had, was we became a two-parent working household. No longer one going out and winning the bread and one taking care of the home. No, two people, two careers, all looking for higher income. Now, pretty soon that became uh, uh, still not enough. That wasn't enough of an answer. So a few years after this, now we've got two parents working in the household. We've got latchkey kids, which became a thing back in the 80s. Kids with a key around their neck that would come home to an empty house after school, be on their own to do their homework. And, well, I can tell you <laughs> that, that gets hard on some kids and others do well with it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a challenge no matter how you look at it. And then to complicate it, we had to make our second adjustment because wages weren't going up. Even though we now had two incomes, we're still watching wages be cut. So the answer then, the second thing we did was we began to adjust the amount of time we worked. We began to work longer hours. So then we would go from a 40-hour work week to a 50 or a 60. And nowadays, 50 to 70 hours in a week across five to six days becomes very, very normal, very, very standard for a lot of people. And uh, that means even more time away from home, more time away from family, and really feeling trapped within the rat race. Unfortunately, we have so much time that we can do in any given week. You, you just can't work 24-7. You just can't do it. You just cannot give that much of your life. There's only so many hours you can do before you have to go home, get a bite to eat, and crawl into bed and sleep so that you can start all over again. So when that still wasn't enough, we headed for a third coping mechanism. That mechanism was our credit and we started tapping into home equity and refinancing that to where today the trend says that the 
average American family that owns a home will refinance that home once every three to five years in order to pull cash out that they need in order to pay bills and just support our lifestyle. Between that refinancing period, we tend to live off credit cards. And credit card debt just continues to climb. It goes up and up and up and up. Today, where the average American has about $16,000 in credit card debt. Now, I know that's average. I've met with a few clients who have no credit card debt, and I applaud them. But most people I meet have around twenty-five dollars to $30,000 in credit card debt. And they know it's a problem, but they're just trying to support life. They're just trying to get by. And I get that. I've been in that role. I know what it's like to just try to get by. And when you need something, you pull out the credit card and you pay for it. I remember when my oldest daughter was nine years old and she crashed her skateboard on the sidewalk in front of our house and she broke her two front teeth off at the root. Now, that's kind of an emergency situation. You can't put that off until you can afford it. We had to get her to a dentist. We had to get her treated now. Those roots were exposed, so she had emergency treatment that night, and she had to get new teeth put in, and it was a very expensive thing. So what do you think we did to pay for it? We got out the credit card. You got to pay for certain emergencies. And now if you do that for too long, pretty soon you've got a lot of credit card debt. Now, you couldn't afford before because you were strapped living paycheck to paycheck. Now you can afford it even less because you're paying all that wealth-stilling interest to the bank. See, our system just isn't set up to allow you to get ahead. Our system is just not set up for the average, everyday person to prosper. So if our system doesn't allow us to prosper... That tells us that we can't work within the system. We're going to have to find out what does work. Now, in order to really do something different, we have to... Let me say that different. In order to get different results, we have to do something different. We know Albert Einstein once defined insanity as the that of doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting a different result. See, if we keep going back out into the workforce, mom and dad are both working. Mom and dad are now putting in extra hours and mom and dad are getting new credit cards. And if they own a home, they're going to refinance that home every three to five years to pay off those credit cards just to support life. That cycle has caused a vicious, vicious wealth stunting activity. It's called interest that we pay on the debt. It's called time that we take away from our family. It's called discipline that's missing from our kids. And it really creates problems in our society. It creates big problems in our family groups. It's all because of this financial stress. But we can do something different about it if we just start to break free from the regular traditional finance models. Now, I know that You got to go to work. You got to pay bills. I get that. Uh, But how do you increase income? Let's take a look at some of the codes that are out there. Now, one of the things that really, really, really hurts the middle class is going to be taxes. Now, I know several years ago, President Obama ran for election and he kept saying that he was going to raise taxes on the rich. And, And I'm sure you've noticed, just like I have, that that never happened. In fact, somewhere during his term of presidency, the taxes on the middle class actually went up. Now, he, of course, blamed that on President Bush because President Bush had put in some tax relief to the middle class by cutting back on our W-2 taxes, our income taxes, our FICA taxes, Social Security, Medicare, all of that stuff. He had actually reduced that. 
And President Obama, under his administration, allowed that to expire. So those taxes went up. But the tax increase that was talked about for the super rich never came. Now, before I really start talking about solutions, let me break this down. There is no real clear definition of middle class. So many economists have adopted this definition to say that middle class is within 50% of the median income. As I'm recording this at the beginning of 2017, our median income hovers around $52,000 per family per year. So if our median income is $52,000, you can go up above that about 50%. That's going to take us to 75, actually about 77,000. And you can go below that 50%, which is going to put us about 26,000 or so. So what that means is if you're, say, just to keep numbers round, between twenty-five dollars and $75,000 in annual income, congratulations, you are middle class. Now, the middle class, the people who earn that wage, make up about, well, 70% of the population. And they say that number is shrinking, and it's shrinking because the income gap is widening tremendously. Those who are on the top keep earning more and more. Those who are on the bottom keep earning less and less. And unfortunately, the middle class tends to be the bottom rung of the ladder. We're the ones who keep earning less and less. But we can do something about that. See, we can recognize that the tax code favors the rich. So we want to start doing what the wealthy are doing. Well, the wealthy are operating businesses. In fact, if you look at the top 1% of income earners, they're earning a little bit less than $400,000 a year. And that group is mostly made up of entrepreneurs business owners. And business owners are taking advantage of the tax code that allows the wealthy to pay less taxes. They're using corporate entities to shelter their income. They're using those entities to be able to pay themselves dividends, which are only taxed as, as, as at 15%. You don't have to pay the dreaded FICA tax of 15.3%. You don't have to pay all of the income taxes that are there. You're taxed completely different on dividends. Now, it, uh, maybe I misspoke that. You're still going to spend income taxes, but you're still taxed completely differently. You cut out a lot of those other employment taxes that fall on the regular W-2 wage earner, what most of the middle class is paying now. So these entrepreneurs, these business owners, are taking advantage of the tax code in order to reduce the tax. And by reducing the tax, they're able to put a little bit more money in their pocket that can help fund their lifestyle and be reinvested back into their business, which causes their income to grow. Now, this is the part of the population that we really want to focus on for a solution. See, maybe you've never thought about being in business, but it stands to reason that if you want to earn more money, you've got to do something different. And in order to do something different that you're doing right now, you probably need to consider going into business. Now, let me talk first about the benefits of going into business. See, I've already mentioned the benefits of the tax code. I've already mentioned how these entrepreneurs that are earning in the top 1% are making money and paying less taxes. And they're paying less taxes because they're taking advantage of the corporate tax codes that all of the super rich are using to reduce those taxes. Now, if you had a business... You could take advantage of a lot of those deductions. In fact, many of the things that you're spending money on right now in your everyday expenses could become legitimate business tax deductions if you had a business. 
Now, we're not going to get into what those tax deductions are right now. I just want to open your mind to the fact that if you had a business, you could pay less taxes. And if you paid less taxes, you could keep more of your money. Of course, the business could also generate added income. Many people who start a small business do so on a part-time basis and then eventually shift away from the income restrictions of a job and they start controlling their own environment with their own marketing and their own business. And there's all kinds of things you can do. One of the most popular businesses people can start is network marketing. Now with network marketing, I would say there's some great programs out there. You don't always have to sell lotions, potions, and pills. But I will say this. With any network marketing, I would recommend that if you're considering that, look at a company that has a really good product as well as a business opportunity. If their business opportunity really is the product and the only way to make money is by recruiting people into the business opportunity, then you probably don't really have a product. You know those lotions, potions, and pills that all advertise that if you start using and you recruit three people who then stay on the product, you can have yours for free. I'm sure you've seen somebody draw circles on the board and tell you how you get your product for free and how you can make extra income. That's just selling a business opportunity, and they've set it up that way in order to meet certain federal guidelines on having a product. Well, I would recommend that if you're looking at network marketing, you make sure they've got a great product. So if you've got somebody who loves the product, you can sell them the product and make a little extra money. Then if you've got somebody who not only loves the product but also wants to do what you do, their option B would be to look at a business opportunity. So that would be the best of both worlds. The cool thing about network marketing is you can get started for as little as a couple hundred dollars and boom, you're in a business. Plus, they do a lot of training. It's like a little bitty mini franchise in a box. Training personal development, all the tools that you need to be successful. Now, don't expect overnight success. You'll be able to start incurring tax write-offs that will help you to keep more of your money right away in the first year. But it could take a little while to start earning. But if you stick with it, you can make money. Another way to start a business might be to look at a franchise. Franchises start as low as $10,000. Now, if you're struggling paycheck to paycheck, that might be tough. But a lot of those franchises do have of uh, 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 financing opportunities. I don't know why I had trouble with that word. I guess I don't like to say finance. I don't like to say borrow, but sometimes you do have to borrow yourself into an income stream. And if you've got a good franchise that you know you could work, then it might not hurt to have a little bit and let the business start to pay for it. And there's a lot of great turnkey business opportunities out there, very low-cost franchise opportunities, if that's your game. Other people might want to start a hobby. Listen, I had a client who used to make arts and crafts and do little things just as a hobby. I encouraged her to start listing those things online, and she started working with the website called Etsy. Pretty soon, she's making almost $2,000 a month with her arts and crafts by selling them on Etsy. It turned into a wonderful little business for her, where it used to be a hobby that cost her a couple hundred dollars a month and had a negative impact on their household expenses. Now, It's a business that generates a couple thousand dollars a month in income, and she does it all in the back room of a house. Uh, My daughter loves to write, so she got an account on Fiverr and started editing uh, reports and papers and doing copywriting for people through Fiverr, which opened up clients all around the world. Listen, there's so many things you can do to start operating a small business. 
I would tell you that if you really want to get ahead, if you really want to escape the rat race, if you want to get out of this two-family working, no time home with the kids kind of a thing, giving out 60, 80 or more hours of your life every week to a J-O-B and still just struggling to get by and not being able to enjoy it, if you're buried in credit card debt and if you've done all these things to cope with the cost of living and you need a way to get out then you need to take advantage of the tax code that gives tax breaks to businesses. You need to take advantage of the extra earning opportunity of starting a small business. This will be the number one way that you can start to get ahead. You may have never thought that you wanted to be in business, but everything that tells you that you're going to get wealthy requires you to have some kind of a business. If you want to be in those top 1% of income earners, you've either got to be a corporate CEO or you've got to be an entrepreneur who starts and operates your business. Now, we've got lots of great suggestions and lots of great things we can do to help you get started in business. Uh, you feel free to reach out to us at connect at palmabella.com or visit our website, Ask us any questions. We would love to hear from you, and we'd love to help you down your road to financial freedom. See, I know that anybody can get there. Look, I'm a high school dropout. I was homeless when I was 19. I know what it's like to be hungry. If a guy like me with no education, I have no hope of even getting a job because I can't get past the computer screening when I submit a resume. If a guy like me can build a net worth of millions, you can do it too. But the secret would be to owning and operating a business. Even if it's a home-based business, so many great opportunities. Reach out to us. Let us know your struggles. We'll give you solutions. We'll be happy to help. Until next time, I want to thank you for joining me. And I want to wish you all the great success as you work to increase your income, eliminate your debt, and build real and lasting wealth. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Simply Finance Podcast with host Troy Peterson. We hope you were able to take away some essential strategies for recapturing control of your finances and more importantly, enhancing your life. This podcast is made possible by Palmabella Consulting. For access to more episodes of this podcast or further financial coaching tools, please visit us at www.palmabella.com. And remember, if you want to simplify your life, start by simplifying your finances.